الحمد لله وكفى والسلام على عباده الذين اصطفى أما بعد فأعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم أفلا يتدبرون القرآن سبحان ربك رب العزة عما يصفون وسلام على المرسلين الحمد لله رب العالمين اللهم صل على سيدنا محمد وعلى آل سيدنا محمد وبارك وسلم اللهم صل على سيدنا محمد وعلى آل سيدنا محمد وبارك وسلم اللهم صل على سيدنا محمد وعلى آل سيدنا محمد وبارك وسلم So this is our final session of the topic that we've been covering for the last 10 evenings after the Asr prayer um, and these are the 10 habits or these are 10 habits of highly effective believers and as I mentioned in the first session there's obviously many more habits um, that we can take from the life of the Prophet um, but these are 10 that in particular seem to apply in today's day and age and in the place and space in which we live in. So uh, today, the final session is on the topic of reflecting. The final session today is on the habit, you can say, of reflecting or reflection. If we look uh, throughout the world today, um, people that are highly effective at what they do will often find that they spend a lot of time in contemplation and reflection. They spend a lot of time in contemplation and reflection. Um, oftentimes this is done in the form of seclusion, where they'll spend periods of time essentially by themselves, uh, be it in the morning or be it some other time of day, where they are essentially reflecting. And what, uh, what the consequence of this is that it allows them to achieve very high successes in this world. Right? Um, what are the different ways by which people reflect today? What are the different ways by which people reflect today? Um, for instance, one way by which they do it is they review, right? They review or they critique themselves. And what's meant by this is these are people who, in, in an attempt to try to improve themselves, they look, at, they, they look at their strengths and they look at their areas for improvement. And rather than focus on successes, they look back and see what are the things that can, they can do better. We'll see this, for instance, with really good athletes, people that are like professional athletes. They're not, you know, focused on the things that they do well. They're constantly worried about what is it that I can do better. If, my, if, if free throws are my weakness, then that's what I need to focus on. They, they spend a lot of time just reflecting and figuring these things out. Um, CEOs of major corporations also do this, right? Anyone who's the head of any department will do this, where they'll really look back and say, what are the skills that I'm still lacking that I need to bring into my, uh, into my practice that can allow the company, for instance, or the people I work with to grow and achieve more? So one way is by reviewing. Another way by which people in today's day and age reflect is by actually meditating, is by performing the act of meditation um, with the idea that by meditating I can reset myself on a daily basis, I can improve my thinking, I can improve my focus, and I can become sharper. You know, there's a lot of studies now that show the benefits that uh, come from meditating. There was a meta-analysis done in JAMA, which is like the most, one of the most popular medical journals and uh, this was about six seven years ago and they and they've now found that people that meditate so that the practice of meditation or let's say the habit of meditation it reduces uh, it has at least a moderate degree of evidence in the current literature to show that it reduces symptoms of anxiety right it's in fact in some studies it shows that it's as good as medical treatments that are used for anxiety it also shows a positive benefit on depression um, another meta-analysis looked at transcendental meditation. Now, transcendental meditation is basically a type of meditation that involves 
um, like it's like a spiritual or religious form of meditation where you reflect or you do, you can say you meditate, but you're not just meditating for the sake of meditating, you're meditating with some connection to a higher purpose. So they found that even this, across all religions, has shown to reduce symptoms of anxiety. There's a number of other studies that show that improves brain health, it improves sleep quality, it improves um, one's sense of self. So this is what people often go toward because they recognize, and science has now proven, that these things are beneficial on many different degrees and levels. Another, so we mentioned review, we mentioned meditate. There's also retreating. Right? There's also the, the, this idea of retreats. Retreats are very common today. Workplaces have retreats. Um, uh, camps have retreats. And this idea is that we need to disconnect from our normal environment and our normal life. We need to move away because if we don't move away, we're never going to be able to properly contemplate and reflect. We're just going to be stuck in one, one place. And finally, another way by which is really being highlighted in today's day and age is this concept of awe. This concept of awe, which I find to be just incredibly fascinating, that psychologists feel and social scientists feel that a component of a person's well-being is their ability to be inspired by something that's amazing, right? Something that's amazing. For instance, the universe, looking at the stars and being amazed at the, for instance, billions of galaxies that are around, or something supernatural, right? These things that create within a person a sense of awe even people that are agnostic and atheistic feel that this is a necessary component of a person's well-being. We as believers, we call this subhanallah, right? We see something that's amazing or mesmerizing, it shocks us, it amazes us. It could be, you know, the moon at night, it could be the scene, uh, scenes in nature, it could be the sounds of the ocean, and we're just stuck in the state of awe, we're mesmerized, and our response is subhanallah. We don't end at, this is good enough for me, it'll make me feel better, or it'll improve, improve my well-being and my health. We say beyond that, subhanallah. So these are things that people in today's day and age use under the umbrella of reflecting and contemplating that are used for their own benefit. So it's become very mainstream today. Now we know that the deen also encourages us to reflect. The deen also encourages us to reflect and ponder. Um, there's many places in the Quran where Allah Ta'ala alludes to this. For instance, Allah Ta'ala says in the Quran, أَفَلَا يَتَدَبَّرُونَ الْقُرْآنَ have, do you not do tadabbur of the Qur'an? Not like, do you not recite the Qur'an, right? That's one level. But do we actually ponder and reflect, which is what the real meaning of tadabbur is when it comes to the Qur'an, right? This very focused analysis in our own mind and how it relates to us. Um, the Qur'an also says about, the, about in the Qur'an, it comes to Surah Al-Ali um, Imran, when Allah Ta'ala is talking about Ulul Al-Bab, the people that are highly successful, right? Again, highly successful, highly effective, which is a theme. He says, these are people who, remember Allah Ta'ala, that's, that's a sign of their success. And then the second sign of their success is, These are people who, who do tafakkur of the creation of the heavens and the earth. Like they're, they're stuck in the state of awe. They, do, they, they, they are very deep in their contemplation and ponderance over this. Um, Allah Ta'ala says in the Qur'an, أَوَلَمْ يَسِيرُوا فِي الْأَرْضِ فَيَنْظُرُوا كَيْفَ كَانَ عَاقِبَةُ الَّذِينَ مِنْ قَبْلِهِمْ Do you not see the people that have come before and um, 
Uh, and when, when yanzuru is being used here, it's not just the literal sense of what you see, but like, can you see the realities of what happened? About the people that had come before. So the Qur'an alludes to this, and we also see this in the Qur'an, this general idea of contemplation, reflection, and, um, uh, contemplation and reflection and, and, and pondering for the sake of achieving a higher state of success. People of this world do it, the Qur'an teaches us to do it, and certainly the Sunnah of the Prophet also highlights this. So there's many forms of contemplation and reflection that are within the deen, and that are outlined in the Sharia. And there's two that I just want to mention um, today. The first is, the first form of, you can say, reflection is muhasaba. Muhasaba. And the second is muraqaba. Muraqaba. The first form, muhasaba, um, ha- so this comes from hasaba um, yuhasibu, which is, you know, verb form three. Hasaba yuhasibu muhasaba. It comes from the notion of hisab, which is to take account of ourselves. To take account of ourselves. Going back to earlier, we talked about reviewing. You know, muhasaba is us making this conscious effort to take account of ourselves, to look back at what we're doing well and making sure that we're continuing to do that and looking at those areas that we're lacking in and making sure that we have a plan to improve, right? This requires a person to sit and think and reflect and, and realize that, look, you know, clearly th- this is where I am in my deeds. I'm good with my salah. I've been consistent in my Qur'an, but I'm lacking in the following things. It's this active process that a person engages in, ideally on a daily basis, and they take account of the mistakes that they've made and the sins that they've committed and the attachments that they have and the attachments that they shouldn't have. This is muhasaba. You know, the real, and, you know the, uh, Umar radiallahu anhu, he says in a very famous statement that's often quoted, he says, Hasibu anfusakum qabla an tuhasabu. Take account of yourselves before you will be taken account of. Like, there's no question that there is such a thing as hisab. Now, the question is, are we going to address this matter of hisab, which is accountability here, while we still have the chance of rectifying what we put in our books? Or are we going to let Allah Ta'ala take hisab of us on the Day of Judgment? Right? And the Prophet already highlighted to us you know, that type of hisab. In fact, the Prophet ﷺ would make dua, uh, that, that, uh, he, and he advised us to make dua, that we enter into Jannah bi ghayri hisab. Otherwise, you know, it'll be a very difficult accounting. So, Umar is saying, take account of yourself, i.e. do muhasabah now, review, reflect upon your deeds, reflect upon your mistakes, reflect upon your sins. Do it as a regular habit, because if we don't do it today, then it'll happen on the Day of Judgment in a much more difficult situation. So an effective believer who recognizes uh, the value of success in deen and what it takes to be successful in deen is highly concerned with reviewing their past and making sure that they address everything that's there by doing muhasaba and making sure that their future is better. So this is the first form of reflection. The second form is muraqaba. The second form is muraqaba, engaging in muraqaba. Now, raqaba yuraqibu takes on, and muraqaba, which is the form, in the sharia, it literally means to watch, the sharia, the sharia mentions this as uh, watching over the state of our hearts and the state of our nafs. Like, okay, you can almost think about it like muhasaba is like the state of our deeds. What have we done wrong? What, what should we improve upon? Where are we lacking, etc. And muraqaba is like, what's my inner state like? You know, what's the state of my heart? 
what's contained within it, what evils are, 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 are buried deep within, what, um, you can say, uh, diseases, you know, of the spiritual world are stuck within my heart. And the only way for me to be able to analyze and address these is through muraqabah. So raqabah yuraqibu literally means to be vigilant. It means to be vigilant and to be aware. You know, Allah Ta'ala says in the Qur'an, إِنَّ اللَّهَ كَانَ عَلَيْكُمْ the verily Allah Ta'ala is vigilant. He's watching over you. So similarly, raqaba yuraqibu muraqaba in our sense is that we're watching over our own heart and its state and where it is in its connection with Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala. That, you know, you can almost think about it like this. The pinnacle of deen is ihsan, right? Based off of the hadith of Jibreel is Islam, Iman, Ihsan. And the pinnacle is an ta'budallaha ka'annaka tarah. Right, to worship Allah Ta'ala as if you see him. فَإِلَّمْ تَكُنْ تَرَاهُ فَإِنَّهُ يَرَاكُ And if you can't see him, then at least imagine that he's seeing you. Right, so this is the pinnacle of deen, and muraqabah is a practice of being able to achieve this state of ihsan. Now, from the, from the uh, teachings of our scholars, we learn about many different forms of muraqabah. This is a blanket term that applies to every human being, let alone every believer. And those are different types. One form of muraqabah is when a person engages in, the si- in, in silent dhikr to create a deep bond with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. They engage their heart in the remembrance of Allah ta'ala. And this comes from the Qur'an. When Allah ta'ala says, وَذْكُرْ رَبَّكَ فِي نَفْسِكَ Remember Allah ta'ala inside yourselves. Right? That remember Allah Ta'ala even in the absence of moving of the tongue. Just contemplate and reflect upon Allah Ta'ala's greatness is the first form. Another form is reflecting on um, situations uh, to make us more aware of their reality. So in the past, if we look at our Salaf al-Salih, the people of piety, they would do muraqabah over situations. For instance, the reality of the grave. So they would sit and contemplate and reflect for 10 or 15 minutes and imagine that they're lying in their graves by themselves in isolation. It's an extremely powerful tool because, yes, we've heard about the punishments of the grave. And yes, we know about the reality of the isolation of the grave. And yes, we know about the questioning of the grave of Munkar and Nakir. But until we actually try to internalize that reality, there's no way we're going to actually act in accordance with that. And the way by which we act, the way by which we internalize the reality of the grave is by actually sitting and contemplating, what if I was in the grave? Let me sit here for 10 or 15 minutes and imagine what that experience must be like. The Salaf al-Salih used to do muraqabah of the Day of Judgment. Yes, we've heard about the Day of Judgment and its reality and how difficult it will be and how long it will be and how warm it'll be and how anxious we will be. Right? But these are just stories unless we actually try to internalize the underpinning reality that the Prophet ﷺ was trying to tell us about the Day of Judgment. It wasn't just to scare us or to freak us out or to entertain us. It was to tell us that, look, bring this reality into your heart because if it's in your heart, right, then and only then will you act in accordance to Act in accordance with what's going to be beneficial for you after you pass away. So, so the scholars used to do muraqabah of the Day of Judgment. They would imagine for 15 minutes or a half an hour or hours at, at a time, imagine that they're standing before Allah Ta'ala on the Day of Judgment. Or they would imagine that they're experiencing the Day of Judgment. So there's uh, muraqabah of the Sirat. There's muraqabah of Jannah and Jahannam. So this is a second form of muraqabah. Uh, another form, is many, but I'm just highlighting different ways by which the Prophet and the Qur'an and by which the people of piety advised us to reflect when it comes to our inner state. Another form is uh, just sitting 
down and imagining that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is watching us. Just sitting down and imagine, you know, we know uh, Allah ta'ala says in the Quran, Alam ya'lam, um, uh, Allah ta'ala says in the Quran that uh, do you not realize that He's watching over us? Right? Do you not realize it? Allah Ta'ala is constantly watching over us. Right now He's observing us. He's watching us. He's vigilant. But in order for me to be able to internalize it so that I go about my daily life fully recognizing that Allah is watching me at all times, I have to actually practice this for periods of time. So maybe I should sit for five minutes a day and just imagine Allah Ta'ala is watching me at this moment. That could happen in Salah. Right? Where Allah Ta'ala is watching me. It could happen silently when we're by ourselves in the masjid. So there's many different forms. You know, if, if, and the great scholars of our deen, they go into a lot of detail when it comes to muraqabah. Ibn al-Qayyim al-Jawziyah, right? the student of Ibn Taymiyyah, rahimahullah, in his book, Madarij al-Salikin, he talks in detail about the different types of muraqabah and, and how a person can achieve excellence by being very conscious of their inner states. Imam Ghazali, rahimahullah, talks about, and he writes about this in, in quite a bit of detail, and many, many other scholars as well. So, muhasaba and muraqaba, these are two types of the many types that the Sharia and the Quran and the Sunnah highlight for us as ways by which we can reflect and ponder and, um, and follow um, the ways of the people of piety of the past. You know, if we really want to be successful and effective in our deen, um, then we really have to, number one, take account of ourselves, and look at those areas that require further improvement and further excellence because it isn't sufficient for us to say, I'm, I'm, I'm perfect, I'm good. We're not. We have, we have to improve, right? All of us do, right? The Prophet ﷺ himself felt he needed to improve, although he was, he was perfection when it, comes to hum, uh, when it comes to the ability for a human being to be perfect. That was it. He was the pinnacle. Yet he thought there was more. He was a prophet, right? So what about us? Uh, and so that's muhasaba and muraqaba, which is that we have to at least be conscious, if not a habit or a practice, be conscious of our inner states and think about who we are and what we've become and what our relationship with is with Allah and are we prepared for the akhirah, etc., etc., etc. So the two practice take-home points before we conclude, inshallah, is um, the first practice point is that we should be very consistent in istighfar. We should be very consistent in asking Allah Ta'ala to forgive us. There's no better way to take account of ourselves and, and, and engage in this action or this habit of muhasaba than every single morning and every single evening we sit and we reflect and we do istighfar for the mistakes that we've made. Look, if the Prophet ﷺ, who's ma'asum, who didn't commit a sin, if he himself says in Sahih Hadith, both in Bukhari and Muslim, that he did istighfar in one hadith more than 70 times a day. In another hadith, he says 100 times a day, he would repent for the mistakes that he made, so to speak. I mean, what about, what are, where does that leave us? Right? If we want ex- excellence, if we want to perfect our relationship with Allah Ta'ala and prepare and really take account of ourselves, the best way to do so is the way the Prophet taught us, which is to do istighfar. So that means that every morning and every evening, right, at some regular, some regular routine, we sit down, we face the qibla, and we just do istighfar, where we reflect upon our day, figure out the mistakes and sins that we've performed, and we say, astaghfirullah. And we ask that Allah Ta'ala forgive us. Now there's two main benefits of this. One benefit is evident, which is that, look, if I don't wipe this away from my slate today, then I'm going to have to deal with it with Allah Ta'ala and the Day of Judgment. And either have to face punishment or, you know, be left to Allah Ta'ala's mercy to overlook this. 
That's, that's, so we know that there's clearly a benefit. We do istighfar, the sin is wiped away, at least we don't have to deal with it. The other benefit of, of, of istighfar is that it allows us to recognize the areas that we're lacking in. Right, so if I sit down every evening, I do istighfar, and I see that every single day I'm having to do istighfar from the same sin, or the same mistake, or the same bad habit, well then, the, a light bulb goes off in my head and says, wait, hold on, like, why am I, you know, constantly looking at things that I shouldn't be looking at? Every night I'm doing istighfar for the same thing. You know, why is it that I have to do istighfar every night because I'm using my tongue the wrong way and I'm swearing and cussing? Well, then it makes me analyze and then do muhasab and say, you know, is it the environment? Or is it the people I'm interacting with on a daily basis? I mean, it makes, it allows me to actually realize and recognize um, the environment in which these activities are occurring in. So that's the second benefit of istighfar. So the first practice point is that we should be regular, especially after the month of Ramadan, we should be regular in our istighfar because that is the ultimate way by which we can identify our own faults and our weaknesses. The second practice point is that every person should engage in some, si- some silent reflection as well. Where we, don't, where we just quietly reflect upon our inner state, right? We just quietly reflect upon our inner state. If you go to a well-being seminar today, or you go to a wellness seminar today, they will advise that we spend half an hour, 45 minutes, an hour of, of, of silent reflection. This is an agnostic perspective, meaning don't connect with Allah, don't connect with God, do this because this has benefit, silent meditation or reflection has benefit. Now, we are the servants of Allah who have the tradition of the Prophet ﷺ behind us. If people who don't believe in Allah and don't have access to deen are finding benefit in silent reflection, what about us where we have Allah Ta'ala to connect with when we're silently reflecting? We have the sunnah of the Prophet ﷺ that shows us the importance of silent reflection. And we have numerous verses in the Qur'an, and numerous ahadith, and, new, and, and a metaphysical reality to reflection. Imagine what benefit we will also receive. Right? So we should spend time, ideally in the morning when we first wake up, maybe after the Fajr prayer or at the Hajjid prayer, where we're silently reflecting upon Allah Ta'ala's greatness, where we're silently reflecting upon our relation, uh, on Allah Ta'ala's nur descending down upon our hearts, where we're silently reflecting upon our inner states. Right? This is a habit of people of piety of the past. This was, a, this was uh, exemplified by the Prophet Sallallahu as when he was in the cave of Hira. So... This should also be part of our practice. This is a habit of people that are effective in this world. Even people that are not connected to deen take benefit from this. Where does that leave us? And we have just a beautiful tradition that highlights the benefits that come from these things. So this is the summary. It's important that we spend time, especially as we exit the month of Ramadan. There's another hour left of Ramadan. Um, if you know, and we've highlighted ten habits, and the, these recordings are all available on the website, and you can access them and share them, you know, and take benefit from them, inshallah. Um, but as we exit the month of Ramadan, this 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 final habit really needs to settle into our lives, and that is the habit of contemplation and reflecting, right? The habit of contemplation and reflecting. And assessing ourselves in our relationship with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us a tawfiq to, to take benefit from the numerous verses of the Quran that ask us to contemplate and reflect upon Him and His greatness and His words. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allow us to always be in awe and be in amazement of His greatness and His magnificence and the, and, and the creation that He has exemplified and, and shown to be so magnificent. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uh, grant us all the tawfiq to be regular in, us, in our istighfar and allow us to take account of ourselves before we're taking account of on the day of judgment. Wa akhir da'wana and alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen. Jazakumullah khair.